Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. Are you happy to be here today? If you have your Bibles, we are in Matthew chapter 5. We started a series last week talking about what it means to, be, to live a blessed life. The word bless means happy, content, fulfilled, satisfied. That's what we want, right? Raise your hand if you don't want to be happy. You're in the wrong place. We're trying to be happy here. Um, are you happy today? Are you, are you, are you happy? <laughs> well, Jesus gave us the tools. And he told us this is the kind of people that God's going to make happy or blessed, fulfilled, satisfied. And last week we talked about what it means to, to be poor in spirit, which means to depend on God. If I'm going to be happy, I need to depend on the source of happiness, right? We talked about how Jesus says that the poor in spirit means I rely on God for strength. I rely on God for wisdom. I rely on God for his timing, right? I rely on God for his defense, I don't have to be defending myself on Facebook all the time, while out at everybody. That's why some of y'all ain't rappy. You answer to every single person who has something to say. And that's a waste of energy. That's a waste of happiness. Tell your neighbor, stop wasting your happiness. Hey, keep it. And I rely on God's wealth. Can you say amen? Uh, the next thing that Jesus says, it's really powerful, and it's so deep. That I have to sit down today. It's a crockpot message. I hope you're ready to go a little deeper. But look what Jesus says next. He says, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who mourn for they will be, for they will be. God happy, satisfies, fulfills, strengthens those who mourn. Now, that in the natural makes absolutely no sense. How do I get happiness from mourning? That's why, my friends, we study the Bible. There's always more to what Jesus says. And once again, I want to encourage you to take notes because I believe there are some personal things here that's going to come out today. And I believe you're going to have to wrestle with some of this stuff. You're going to have to deal with some things. Because it's not going to fall in your lap. You're going to have to work through some of the stuff. Can you say amen? amen? Now, we all can agree that life is very tough at times. Life is very challenging at times. Right? Life is full of losses. Right? And I don't mean just when you lose a loved one. But I mean when you lose a job. I mean when you lose a relationship. Life hurts when you get betrayed. Life hurts when there's no money enough to pay the bills, right? Life hurts when a friendship goes sour. Life hurts when my health is failing. Life hurts when I'm going through a divorce. Life hurts when I've gone through a miscarriage. Life hurts when what was promised to me didn't come to pass. When people let me down. So we got to be honest that there are a lot of losses in life, right? There's a lot of things that we have to deal with in life. And Jesus was honest and said, in this world, you're going to have a lot of troubles. But he says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. 
So today, my friends, I want to talk to you about how do we rise above the losses of life. This is what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying you're blessed, you're content, you're fulfilled, you're happy when you learn to deal with the losses of life. Not just when someone dies, but when a relationship dies, when a situation dies, right? There's going to be these moments, and let's be real, you may, maybe you're not going through it right now, but it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, right? Right now, we're either going through it or we know someone who's going through it. And I believe this message is for both, is to equip us, but also to equip others as we're going through the losses of life. Can you say amen? You know, Jesus said you ought to pray that God's kingdom would come to earth, which tells you, he's saying, listen, this place is broken, right? And you need the kingdom of God to, to infiltrate the brokenness, right? Because we're all broken. The whole thing has been broken for a very long time. Since the days that Adam and Eve walked the earth, there's been brokenness. The fall of man brought brokenness into this world. That's why last week we talked about living a life that's dependent on God because the fall made us independent from God. We thought we can do this without God. And we still think we can do it without God. And God has to set moments up in life to remind us again, you're not going to make it without me. Can you say amen? So my friends, how does God bless the brokenness is what I want to deal with this morning. How does he actually deal with all of the imperfections, dysfunctions, things that blindsided you? You didn't know this was going to happen. You didn't sign up for it, but you signed up for life. Yeah. Right? The first thing I want to say to you today to just right off the bat, I want to take the pressure off. I want to tell you this, and I want you to write this down. God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. How many receive that word like it's a good thing? Because we all know that, that, that Christian who's always happy all the time. The house is on fire and they're still grinning. Like, you ever see those Christians, doesn't matter what they're going through, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. But you sound angry when you're saying that. Like, you're just saying it, but you sound angry. You're, you're, you're not sure if God is good. You know what I mean? You ever see those people? I am blessed and highly favored. It's like, whoa, whoa. You, I thought blessed means happy. I didn't, I didn't know it was, you know, aggressive happiness. But we all have, have encountered those people that won't face the facts. And I don't think God wants us to not face the facts. I think sometimes life hurts and we need to deal with it. If it wasn't so, why would Jesus say that he comforts those who mourn? In other words, Jesus is welcoming you to bring your grief, your losses, your disappointments, your frustrations. Whatever's going on in life, Jesus is like, bring it here. Let's deal with it because I will bring comfort to your soul. And there's a time and a place for everything. Right? Look what the Bible says, right? There's a season for everything, including grieving. There's a time to grieve. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to reflect, right? And so sometimes, my friends, mourning is appropriate. It is part of life. You can't escape it. If you live long enough, you're going to mourn something or someone. Can you say amen? And the worst thing we can do is to stuff our emotions. Please write this down. Grieving is essential to my health. 
My friends, if you don't grieve properly, you will get sick. You will get sick physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You have to understand that you are a trinity of yourself. You are mind, body, and soul, and your mind affects your body, your body affects your soul, and vice versa. They all go together. That's why sometimes you see someone who is like physically fit, but they're emotionally broken. And because they're emotionally broken, it doesn't matter how many muscles you're showing, you're broken. Right? And, and sometimes you see someone who doesn't look that fit physically, but they're free emotionally. And so and they all go together, my friends. We need to be working out mind, body, and soul. Can you say amen? Listen, if you don't grieve properly, you are out of touch with reality. And we all know someone who's out of touch with reality. Right? That person who's the house is on fire, they're like, it's fine. You're like, we need to take you to the hospital. You... You are not in touch with what's going on in your life right now. If you don't grieve properly, you are out of touch with your emotions. Your emotions is part of life. And you have to pay attention to what your emotions are trying to tell you. And the worst part is if you're not in touch with your emotions, if you're not in touch with reality, you are not in touch with the people around you. We all know someone who keeps hurting the people around them because they won't deal with their stuff. You know, hurt people will hurt people. Right? It's going to keep happening, my friends, if we don't deal properly with some things. And, and let's, be, let's be real here that there is no change without losses. In order for you to get a breakthrough, you have to lose something. Mourning is part of understanding what I need to lose in the process of getting my breakthrough. The very thing that you're mourning right now might be the very thing that in a few months from now, you're going to thank God you went through that thing that gave you the breakthrough on the other side. You don't get a better job if you don't let go of another one. You don't. Walk into a healthy relationship without dealing with a toxic one first. And if you don't deal with a toxic one, you bring the toxic to the next one. Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. You see, the Bible encourages you to mourn your losses properly. And here's some things that the Bible tells you to mourn. The Bible clearly says you, you're, it's okay to mourn certain losses. It's okay to mourn certain disappointments in life. Because it brings perspective. Right? Look, the Bible says it's okay to mourn over your sins. If you don't mourn over your sin, you will make friends with your sin. And we all know someone who says, I keep trying, but I'm stuck. Well, you can't be two places at the same time. You're either mourning over your sin or you're making friends with it. You want Jesus, but you want the world. I'll move on. The Bible says you ought to mourn over the suffering you see in the world. Why? Because the suffering in the world reminds you that there is a God who is not through with this world yet. And suffering in the world makes you human. Makes you relatable. Makes you compassionate. Makes you merciful. It makes you more like Jesus when you can learn to mourn the sufferings you see in the world. 
The Bible even says we should mourn those who are lost without Jesus. Why? Because we understand a life without Jesus is a hopeless life. And my friends, I will tell you this. If you don't mourn over a person who don't know Jesus, I tell you, you don't know Jesus. Because when you know the difference Jesus makes in you, it breaks your heart when you, don't, you know that person doesn't have the same hope that you do. It blows my mind to see people who say they, they love Jesus but don't love people. There's a massive disconnect there. Because the love of Jesus compels you to love others. It never makes you keep it to yourself. So grief, my friends, is not just for funerals, it's for life. We all are going to go through things in life that we need to grieve properly. And I will tell you this morning, some of us have not gotten the breakthrough because we haven't grieved properly yet. We're still holding on to some things that we're supposed to grieve and release it to God. Can you say amen? And I want to tell you, there's two unhealthy approaches to the brokenness of life. And we all do this from time to time. The first one is the, it's the approach of repression where I unconsciously try to block a painful thought from my mind. And we do this by staying busy because we don't want to pay attention to the humming that's in our souls. Some people become workaholics because they haven't grieved. Some people become alcoholics because they haven't grieved. Some people become drug addicts because they didn't grieve. Some people start having sex with just anyone just because they don't want to deal with the grief process. And my friends, those are all band-aids on broken legs. We need surgery, and it's going to take more than just these shallow attempts. Weed is not going to do it. I don't care if it's legal. It's not going to satisfy my soul. Did you know this? When you take any substance to numb the pain, what you're doing is you're just repressing the pain. But the pain never goes away. And the problem with that is the more you repress the pain, the more you think you need another substance to repress the pain. And sometimes it's people. Some people are always in a relationship because they never stop to grieve the last one. They just thought, I can just move on to the next one. And the person's name changed, but the situation didn't change. Because the situation is not in the person, it's in you. Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. Suppression, when I consciously try to block a painful thought from my mind. I don't want to talk about it. My friends, you may say I don't want to talk about it. It's not going to go away. I'll just watch another Netflix show. But then after binge watching, your soul is binge watching. Here's the, here's the reality, my friends. If I don't let it out, I'll act it out. And depending on your personality, we all act it out differently. Some of us will wild out on Facebook. My friends, some things are not for Facebook. They are for a counselor. Some things are not for Facebook. They are for a good friend. Some things are not for Facebook. They're for good, for good journaling. Some things are not for Facebook, they're for prayer. My friends, the Bible says that when I don't mourn, I moan. There's a difference between mourning and moaning. We all know the person who moans. 
right? You know the person who moans, who hasn't dealt with their grief, they make everybody around them miserable. You don't understand. No one understands. I am my own universe of hurts. Because <laughs> everybody believes what they're going through is unique. And why do we believe that? Because we isolate ourselves to think that we're unique. And I got good news and bad news for us. You're not that unique. Good news is you're not that unique. Bad news is you're not that unique. So you can either moan through life or you can mourn yourself through life through a better understanding of yourself and others and pain and frustrations. Here's the, here's the reality. Bad, choice, bad things are going to happen. We have no control over bad things. But mourning is a choice. Grieving properly is a choice. See, moaning is negative. Mourning is positive. It's the right way of dealing with pain. Because here's the reality. When I swallow negative emotions, my body gets sick. Ask any medical doctor. They'll tell you how stress is related to your emotions. When I don't let it out, I'm eating it. I'm adding stress. I'm adding worry. I'm adding frustrations. I'm adding fear to my life when I don't deal with it. You ever had the situation where you just wouldn't let it out and you felt like you're, you're, you're always wasting away on the inside? That's what the Bible means by moaning. I'm just, uh, I'm just keeping it. And my friends, that's not a healthy thing. God wants you to deal with your emotions. You know what's interesting? You do a lot of activities in the church that you have no idea why you're doing it. When we tell you to shout unto God, that's not just to make a noise. That's to release things into the presence of God. You know a psychologist tells you to find an outlet? Some psychologist says, why don't you take a pillow and scream into it? God says, why don't you shout unto me? Because a pillow's not going to do anything. So, for all the people that think we're just making noise and being emotional, actually, we're finding healing when we're worshiping, when we're shouting, when we're praying. You're activating faith. You're activating healing over your life. In the meantime, you're hurting, but you keep it all inside because you're too cool to worship. Don't let your pride keep you from a breakthrough, my friends. Oh, I'm preaching good. So how does God bless brokenness? How can God bless brokenness? Let's talk about it. The first thing I believe God does when you're going through something painful is that God draws you close to himself. That's his first order of priority. He's a father. He wants to draw you close to himself. Right? I love the scripture in Psalms that says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescued those whose spirits are crushed. My friends, can I tell you something? What you feel and what's real are not the same thing. Because a lot of times when you're going through stuff, you think God abandoned you. But you don't have to understand, your feelings are not God. God is outside of your feelings. And he's ever more real in those moments when you think he's not there. Actually, God is way more real to you when you're going through stuff than when you're just kind of breezing through life. I'm telling you, that's his promise. I am close to the brokenhearted. All you have to do is pay attention to his presence. 
The Apostle Paul goes on to say this. He says, listen, you may, your heart may be aching, but you are always full of joy. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. God is very close and he wants to pull you closer. Let's be honest for a second. Some of you are in here today because of brokenness. It is brokenness that draws you to his presence. And you've heard us say this many times that it's, it's not until you hit rock bottom that you realize he's the rock at the bottom. Who says, I've been here all along. I've just been waiting for you to pay attention that I am with you every step of the way. Listen, to me, this is the difference that Jesus makes. I can't imagine doing life without Jesus. Life is challenging with him, never mind without him. My friends, my heart breaks sometimes when I see people trying to figure out life without Jesus. I'm like, how do you do it? How do you manage all the things that come that you have no idea was going to blindside you? I don't know how the world does it. My friends, I don't want to spend a day without Jesus being the leader of my life. That to me, Jesus to me is not Sunday morning. Jesus to me is Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Thirsty Thursday, he's the living water for me. Freaky Friday. Without Jesus, you're on your own. That's why people wild out. Because you've got to find some kind of outlet. But he's the outlet of life. He is it. He's the essence of life, my friends. That's why he brings you closer to him when your heart is broken when you're grieving, whatever loss you find yourself grieving. The second thing, my friends, is that God grieves with you. God grieves with you. I love the story of, of Jesus' friend Lazarus who died. And when they told him, he came to visit the family. And, 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 and they have this encounter. Jesus, look at this. When Jesus saw her weeping, look, he was deeply moved. You got a God who feels your pain. And this story to me reveals one of the greatest hearts of God. The simplest thing in verse 35 says, Jesus wept. My friends, you have a God who weeps with you. You have a God who hurts with you. This is the, this is the shortest Bible verse in the entire Bible and it's the most powerful verse that you can know, that when I'm hurting, my God hurts with me, and he, and he weeps with me, and he's there with me. Jesus wept, tells me, I don't have a God who is far. I have a God who's very near to my brokenness, to my hurting. Jesus wept sometimes is the only Bible verse you need. I don't know if you realize this, but you just memorize the Bible verse. Jesus wept. Luke eleven thirty-five. John eleven thirty-five. You, you, you paid attention. That was a test. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Say it with me. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. 
Congratulations, you just memorized a Bible verse. Tomorrow morning when you go to work, you can show off. Tell your co-worker, do you know the Bible? Can I tell you about the Bible? Jesus wept. And that's all you need sometimes is to know that God is with you and he's for you. And if he can weep with you, then he's going to bring the deliverance for you at the same time. Can you say amen? Think about it, right? Grief is the evidence of love. When you're going through stuff, you want to make sure, you want to know that people who love you are with you in it. There's nothing more meaningful when you're going through stuff and people are really there with you. And there's nothing worse when you're going through stuff and you find out, wait, they weren't really with me. You ever had those friends who were like, ride or die, and then it was die time, there was no way, they were nowhere to be found? They, I, I thought it was ride or die, like, come on, we all know that friend. Yo, I'm with you. Yo, bro, I need to move. Uh, the way my weekend's set up. I'm with, I'm with you in spirit, though. Never trust a friend who says I'm with you in spirit. But we want to know that people care about us. Sometimes we don't, we don't care what people are saying. We need to know, do you care about me? And you don't have to question if God cares about you. God weeps with you in your battles, in your struggles, in your disappointments. He's there all along. And let me say something about this to the guys because I know we struggle with this. Men don't like to show emotions. But my friends, we're hurting ourselves when we're not dealing with our emotions. There's a, a statistic that just came out that said that men are most likely to commit suicide. And you know why? Because we, re, we repress everything. We hold it all in. We want to be strong for our families. We want to be the provider. We don't want to show that we're hurting. And in the, in the meantime, we are hurting. My friends, we need to be honest about our struggles and our battles and our frustrations. Because if Jesus, the Son of God, can weep, it's okay for me to weep too. Most of us grew up in homes and cultures where we are taught to stuff our emotions. And we say real men don't cry. But the men who say real men don't cry, if you find them by themselves, they're crying. Don't take this the wrong way. Sadness is not weakness. It takes more strength to deal with your stuff than to stuff it. And again, don't take this the wrong way. Weak men are afraid to show emotions because it makes them vulnerable. But there's no growth without being vulnerable. You're not being weak. We're actually showing strength that I can, I can show my emotions and what I'm going through. I pray we teach, fellas, I pray we teach our sons that it's okay to cry. Because think about it, right? We keep telling them, don't cry, don't cry, real man, don't cry. We're telling them, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. Don't deal with it. But you remember, hurt people hurt people. Just because the old generation told us not to do that doesn't mean it was right. They did what their parents told them to do. Now, when we come to the presence of God, Jesus says, I created you, mind, body, and soul. There are moments that you have to grieve, you have to mourn, you have to deal with it, you have to let it out. If you don't let it out, it's making you sick. So I'd rather be more like Jesus and less like myself and what my generation told me 
and what my family told me. Because if Jesus was the strongest man who ever lived, but he had no problem showing emotions. Because he's coming from a healthy place. That this is part of life. Again, I'm not talking about moaning. I'm talking about mourning. Okay. Because no one likes a mourning man. If you're single as a dude, don't moan. It's not attractive. <laughs> Fellas, talk to me. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need a guy going over the top. You know, it's always weird to see guys over post on social media. It's like, come on, bro, get it together. Uh, I'll move on. <laughs> get, get it together. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> My friends, number three is God gives us a church family for support. You don't have to do life alone. Think about it, right? God is a community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go read the Bible. The Father doesn't do anything without the Son. The Son says you can't do anything without the Spirit. The Spirit says I have to wait for the Son. The Son says I have to wait for the Father, which means they're a community of three and one, one and three, and they're trying to teach us how to do life. They're saying, like, don't do it alone. Like, I created you to be in a family called the church so we can do life together. I, listen, I love the last verse here. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That's community. That's having people who have your back, who are there with you. Nothing more sad than going through a loss alone. I went to visit my parents yesterday. My mom said one of her coworkers has cancer and she has no family. So she, my mom said when... when when me and your dad go visit her, she lights up because there's not as many people coming to see her. My friends, that's a sad way to live life. That's why God created a church family. And let me tell you something. Sometimes your own physical family is not there, but God's family could be there with you in your battles, in your struggles. You are not meant to grieve alone. You belong. We belong with each other. God created us that way, to do life together. That's why we, we, we encourage you, join a crew. You know why? Because we don't want you to do life alone. It's not just to say, do something. It's just because we don't want you to be alone. We don't want you to be a face in the crowd. Did you know this? We live in the greatest nation in the world, and people are lonely. Think about it. You have 2,000 friends on Facebook, but you can't call one of them. It's all a facade. Some of us spend 30 minutes trying to get the right post on Instagram, looking for likes, and then the likes come and you still feel empty because you didn't really connect with anybody. It's all a facade. My friends, we need real life with real people. So don't just come to church. Make connections. Make relationships. Make friendships. And who knows what comes out of those friendships and connections because Jesus is good at connecting people. We need each other in this journey. The enemy will love to isolate you because when he isolates you, what he does is he makes your losses bigger than you can overcome. It is in isolation that the enemy tells you you're alone. No one cares. 
you were never going to overcome. My friend, the Bible says he's the accuser. But you overcome how? He says you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. You don't have a testimony if you don't have people to testify to. You need people in your life. Who's there for you when it hits the fan? Who's there with you? Who's the ride who really die? My friends, we all need each other in this thing. Listen, don't let, don't, again, don't take this the wrong way. Don't let pride keep you from support. A lot of people wait too long to get support. Anticipate, I, I believe sign of maturity in life is to anticipate a problem before it becomes a problem. How about I learn to get ahead of things by putting myself in a community? Because there's strength in numbers. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have people in my life over the last 21 years who have kept me grounded, who prayed for me, who was there with me, who walked with me, who, who helped me through my brokenness and my disappointments and, and my struggles. I don't get here alone. I get here because I surround myself with people. I tell young people all the time, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with the right crew. Listen, here's the reality of life. You either need help or, or someone that you know needs your help. We're all going to go through it. And sometimes it's not about you. It's about the person next to you. That's why I love crews. You ever been to a crew where you didn't have anything to say, but you were there and he strengthened you just by being there because you're in the right environment with the right people and there's faith. I never come to church because I feel like coming. Well, I have to, right? <laughs> but don't forget that before I was a pastor, I, I'm just a human being. And I always made it a priority to be in God's house. Why? Because I know there's strength in numbers. I don't, I don't have to have a good week to go and know that God is there and he's going to strengthen me by just being with his people, by just being in the atmosphere of prayer and faith and worship and fellowship. Listen. You're not in pain, beware of other people's pain. And can I, I want to give a couple of practical advices about being there for others because it's important. Number one is this, never minimize another person's pain. Just because you didn't go through that thing, it doesn't mean it's not painful. Because by nature we're selfish. We think, oh, how can you struggle with that? But we can ask you the same thing about the thing you struggle with. It's amazing when you hear people talk about people who struggle with drug addiction. Oh, man, they're weak. It's like, yeah, but what about the thing you struggle with behind the doors that no one knows about? No, the reality is we're all going through something. All of us. We're either going through it or we're coming out of it. Right? And so I need to not minimize your pain. My job is to be there for you. And, and I'm preaching to myself because... The reality is, I want to fix people. But God didn't call us to fix people. He called us to be there for people and walk with them and be there for them and listen. You know, one of the, the greatest need in this life right now is people who actually listen. We don't listen. We just want to say stuff. But I'm telling you, in life, I'm finding this more and more. People just want someone who can listen and listen well. And just be there. So please, let's not minimize each other's pain. Just because you don't 
understand it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Number two, never rush people. Again, we want to, we want to just like, hey, how come are you still struggling? I don't know, because I'm struggling. So don't rush people through their pain. The worst thing we can do is make them feel like you're on a timeline. My friends, no one put you on a timeline. I find that amazing sometimes. People have been in church for a while. They forget how long it took them to get it. And, and they get upset with people who don't, who don't get it yet. But it's like, how long did it take you to get it? You've been in church for 20 years. You're still struggling with lust. Oh, y'all. Not in this church. We're not going to pretend. Here's another thing. Please don't say this ever to someone who's hurting. Never say at least. At least dot, dot, dot. For example, someone just had a miscarriage. Don't say at least you're young, you'll have another baby. No. Mourn with them. Pray with them. Believe God with them. Don't minimize that. You don't know what it means to go through a miscarriage. You, you don't know what it means to carry a human being and then losing it. Only God knows that pain. So your job is to just be present, keep your mouth shut, and just say, I'm here, I'm available. And to you who is hurting right now, I want to say this to you. Whatever you're feeling is okay. First, you have to be raw with your feelings. You know, we have a saying here, principle of feelings. It doesn't mean we don't acknowledge the feeling first. Over time, we don't let it rule us, but we acknowledge it. That whatever I'm feeling is okay, and there's no timeline for you to get over it. A feeling is a feeling. It's not right or wrong. It's a feeling. And I have to feel it in order to process it. If I don't feel it, I don't process it. I hide it, but it doesn't go away. Okay. Which leads me to the next thing. My friends, God uses grief to help you grow. Now, let me make this clear. It does not mean that every pain that comes into your life was God's will. What it means is that God is an expert at using pain for your good. There's a difference. You got to be careful because some, some people, theology is whatever you, is something's wrong with your life, God's punishing you. My friend, God is not punishing you. God actually is redeeming you. He's healing you. He's rescuing you. So, again, it's not that everything that hurts was God's will. It's that God knows how to use it. He's an expert at using pain for your good. And he does it in three ways. First thing that God does is this. God uses pain to get your attention. Again, can we be honest for a second? How many of you guys... Turn to God because of a pain. Look around you. Is God an expert or what? Right? God uses the pain. And I love what C.S. Lewis says. He's one of my favorite Christian authors. He said this about pain. He said, look, God whispers to us in our pleasure but shouts to us in our pain. It's how he gets our attention. You notice that God, when you pay attention to your life, God's been there all along. But he took some tough things in life to make you pay attention. That he's there. Right? It's not until you hit rock bottom that you realize he's the rock at the bottom. Right? It's not until the person that you were banking on betrayed you that you realize, wait, humans are fickle, but God is faithful. Right? 
It's not until you lose the thing that's dear to you that you realize he's the one that's most dear to you. Right? So pain, my friends, is a friend at times. If you let it shape you. Right? So listen, God uses pain to get attention. The second thing God does is God uses pain to bring good out of bad. He's so good at taking terrible situations and transform them for your good. Hey, I love this promise in Romans 8 that says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Listen, if you love God, God is working things out for your good. That's his plan. That's his purpose. And let me tell you something. Sometimes you ought to let that thing happen and trust God in what he's doing in that process of that thing. I don't know what that thing is for you, but I believe this. Give God time. Give God your heart and watch you praise him for the very thing that you thought was your demise. The very thing that you're hurting over is the thing that God will transform for your good. And, and, and let, let's, let's get a little deeper here. God doesn't cause pain, but God will use it. And sometimes the greatest revelation in life is when you realize I am the problem. There's no greater revelation in life. When you get to a place, when you stop blaming people, and you stop blaming situations and circumstances, and, and you realize, wait a minute, if I trace back my life, I'm seeing a common denominator here. I don't like it. It's me. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Listen, when you're done blaming Trump, Obama, Bush, Nixon, if you're that old, when you, when you stop blaming society, the government, your community, your friends, your haters, when you stop blaming your church, you've been to Presbyterian, charismatic, Catholic, you, don't, like, you might find, I might be the problem. I might be the problem. And there's no greater revelation in life. There are a lot of things I can't control, but I can control blame. That's refreshing. I'm telling you, that's a mature word. When I get to the place, I'm like, I, I've had 25 jobs, and every job, the boss was the problem. I've had relationships like I'm a teenager, fall in love every three months, and they all have been the problem. I've tried every church in the city, and none of them seems to fit me. I've moved from New Bedford to Fairhaven, from Fairhaven to Fall River to Fall River to Somerset, and I'm still not satisfied. I might be the problem. Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. I, 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 just, I just might be the problem. And that's a good thing. That means there's growth happening. If I can start seeing myself as the problem to say, God, maybe you're working some things out in me. Because the last thing that God wants to do with your pain is God wants to use it to prepare you for eternity. And I know this is a tough word because all we care about is this little sliver of life. But you have to remember that life is very short. No matter how many, how many years you get out of it, it's always going to feel short. Anytime you lose a loved one, it feels short. But the reality is God cares about you, not just now, but forever. And God wants to work things out of you that will keep you out of eternity. Whoa. But look, the Bible says 
For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Like, it's not minimizing your pain. It's saying in light of eternity, it's small. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things we cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I've done a lot of funerals. I've never seen anyone take anything with them. The things that we like hold so dear are the things that are going to be fleeting. And, I, and I've seen funerals do more good than anything else. I've seen funerals bring people perspective. Some of you are in this church right now because of a funeral. You've told me that. Hey, was it a funeral that you talked about life and all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, what am I doing? I need to be connected to God and his will and his purpose for my life. It was because of a funeral that made you men relationships that was broken for so many years because you realize, wait a minute, this is so small compared to eternity. Why are we wasting our time not talking to each other instead of talking to each other? So eternity is healthy because eternity keeps things in perspective. Some of the stuff we hold in so tightly, when you start thinking about eternity, you begin to loosen your grip. My friends, eternity will give you perspective of why am I holding on to the hurts of the past? Because here's the reality with life. We're either going to get better or we're going to get bitter. Yeah. Let's choose to get better in Jesus' name. Yeah. Can you say yeah. amen? Yeah. Look, God gives us hope of heaven. Heaven is a real thing. You know, the Bible tells you this. Look, it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Every funeral I do, there's, a, there's two types of funerals. Funerals with hope and funerals without hope. And it all comes down to what you believe about eternity. That Jesus speaks from the other side of this life. And he strengthens you and encourages to let you know that this life is fleeting. But the real test of your faith in him is how you handle grief. Have you noticed that people are paying attention to everything that you're doing? But they don't let you know until you do something wrong? Have you noticed that? If you notice the guy at work won't say anything to you about coming to church, but when you say something wrong, they go, oh, aren't you that guy who, aren't you the born again, aren't you that guy, uh, that, that, that church, that new life, South Coast thing, aren't you that guy, aren't you that church that loves to ask for money, aren't, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that you guys? Which tells you, I think it's a test of how you handle grief in life to show people that your God is real and is with you and is for you because... He, Here's what I find. Live long enough, those very same people are going to grieve something, and they saw the way you did it, and they're going to come quietly asking you, can you pray for me? If you had that experience, the very people was hating, because the way you handle yourself says, boy, that thing is real. A man told me first service today, he's like, I don't... This is a man older than me. You know what he said to me? Powerful. He said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to keep coming because this is making sense. And I'm like, good for you, sir. 
That's better than the person who thinks they know what they're doing, but they don't know what they're doing. You know that guy too who knows everything? They, they know the Bible, but they never read it. <laughs> you ever see those people? Oh, the Bible is man-made. It's like, have you read it? No, but it's man-made. It's like, wait, wait a minute. You got me. You got me. I just, I, I got nothing. L- last thing, last thing today, my friends, look. Revelations 21.4, look at this promise. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. My friends, there's going to come a time where Jesus is going to, He's going he's gonna to right all the wrongs. There's going to be justice. There's going to be peace. There's going to be hope. My friends, without heaven, this life is hopeless. How do you deal with the battles of life without a perspective of eternity? How do you make sense of kids dying in our borders because of an immigration situation? And this is not a political question. This is a human question. How do you deal with the rape, the abuse, the, 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 the misuse of money and, and injustice in the world? The only thing that makes sense is that this world is broken, but there's a God who is a just God who is going to right every wrong one day, and he's going to heal. And I'm certain of this. No one is going to get away with anything because God He's love, but he's also just. He will bring justice to every situation and circumstance. So if someone has wronged you, give it to the Lord. Don't let bitterness creep in. Don't let resentment creep in. Don't let poison get into your soul. Release it to God. And you may not understand it. That person may never apologize to you, but you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for your own soul. Release it over to the Lord. Because here's the thing. Here's the last point, my friends. God uses our pain to help others. We call this redemptive pain. God wants to use every situation for greater good if you allow it. So my my encouragement to you today is when you're going through pain, don't waste it. Let it be useful. A lot of times we ask the question, why, and some things we're never going to know why. On this side of earth, there's, there, are no, there are no answers to some things. It makes no sense. I don't understand why there is so much evil and corruption and hurting in the world. I don't understand it. But one thing I, I, I trust is that God is good. He's faithful. He's going to work it out. I'm going to trust him to take care of things that I, don't, I can't understand. But at the same time, I want him to be, to be aware of my pain but also be useful in my pain. Because if I don't ask, if I only ask why but I don't ask for what, I might be wasting the pain. The pain has a purpose and a reason that God allowed it to happen in my life is for a greater good. And a lot of times it's all about paying attention to those around us. Let me tell you something. When you're going through something, one of the best ways to heal is to start helping somebody else. It's hard to stay depressed when you're helping somebody else. It's hard to stay down when you're helping somebody else. Please get this. Your greatest ministry will come out of your deepest hurt. Some of the most powerful things done in this world has done done because of a pain. For example, there's an organization called MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. 
it exists because of a mom who went through the pain of losing a, 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 a daughter to drunk driving. Why do we have civil rights movements? Because someone said it is not right for us to live in a nation where blacks and whites are not the same. We're supposed, we're created in the image of God. We need to fight for equality, for justice. And I've told you this, I'm going to say it again. If you want to know your purpose in life, pay attention to your pain. God wants to use it to redeem it, to help others. Throw up my last verse in Corinthians. Look what he says about pain, right? Go ahead. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So it's not just about you. It's about the person next to you who might be going through the very thing you've been through. Think about it. Who better to help someone who can truly identify with your pain? Who better to help the woman going through miscarriage than another woman who's been through a miscarriage? Who better to help someone going through a divorce than another person who's been through a divorce? Who better to help a drug addict than someone who's overcome drugs? Who better to help someone who understands your pain? That's where your ministry comes from. It's from your pain. Because pain glues us together. It binds us together. Listen, the world is not impressed by how well you're doing. The world is impressed by how you deal with your pain. Every day in life, you're either going to need someone to comfort you or you need comfort. Or you need to comfort someone. That's, that's the way life goes. It's not if, it's when. It's when you get that phone call you weren't expecting. But God made sure that you're not alone in this. And he wants to use you to bring redemption to others. Stuffing it, it's not healthy. Wilding out, it's not healthy. It's about surrendering. It's about trust. It's about going through the process of healing. And I know in this room, there's a lot of hurts that I will never be able to understand. I don't understand what it means to be sexually abused. I don't. I don't. But my heart breaks for you. And God's heart breaks with you. And I, and I, I believe that God can heal you from that sexual abuse to the point that he's going to use you to help others find healing through that abuse that you've been through. Don't let your pain be wasted. Pour it over to God. Some of you guys, you're here, you're still hurting from, from, from father issues. Your dad wasn't there. But you know the Bible says he's the father to the fatherless. He says, when, when your own family forsake you, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. And now you have the opportunity that you met Jesus to take that pain and help somebody else. I, I dare you, pay attention to anyone who's done something significant in life. They've done it through pain. You guys know I love sports. I love what LeBron James is doing. Didn't have a father. 
He just started a school for kids in his neighborhood so they can go to school and, 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 and have a better future because he understands the pain of not having someone there. And he's using this platform to help other people get to where they should be. <laughs> Behind everything worth doing in life, there's pain. There's pain, my friends. I wish I could tell you that we can live a pain-free life. It's not true. To birth this church, there's a lot of pains that you will never know about. But God knows what it takes to be here. When people talk about you and criticize you and say all kinds of stuff, but you're like, you know what, God? You don't waste anything. And we're going to continue to honor you and serve you and worship you and praise you. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.